Today's Too Embarrassed to Ask is sponsored by Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, senior editor of technology at The Verge. And this is Too Embarrassed to Ask, a podcast that's all about making technology easier to use and understand. If you have questions that you've been dying to ask, we'll give you the answers, plus our views on all of the latest gadgets. Submit your questions in advance by tweeting them to at Recode with the hashtag AskRecode. That's all one word, hashtag A-S-K-R-E-C-O-D-E, if you are not able to spell. Lauren, this week, I'm going to make your wildest dreams come true and get out of your way and hand the entire show over to you. I'm going to miss you, Kara. No, you're not. Yes, I am. How can you miss me if I won't go away? (laughs) But don't get used to it. It's just this week. I'm going east to enjoy the snowpocalypse. Oh, I hope you don't get snowed in. Yeah, I know. I hope. I know you hope that, but (laughs) it's not going to happen. I have a shovel, Lauren. Evil laugh. I always carry a (laughs) shovel. But in my place, who are you going to put here to try to counter your diva-like tendencies? I think we're going to bring in some more Recode people. Yes, I've got trained them well, my ninja warriors. Train them. (laughs) Yes, to deal with the Lauren Good. Yeah, because dealing with after dealing with you is the in the park. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So who would you like, Ina Freed or Mark It depends on whoever my favorite is. Oh, really? Yeah, whoever brings me chocolate. All right, I'll, we'll figure that out. And whoever, I'll be back the next week. charges my gadgets I'll be for back me. the following week. Thank you for that generous introduction, Caro. I'm here in snowless San Francisco with Ina Freed. Hey, Ina, thanks hey, so much Lord. for joining me. And today on Too Embarrassed to Ask, we're going to talk about wireless carriers, or more specifically, wireless plans, which seem to get more and more convoluted just as the carriers claim they're making them simpler. Um, they're sort of a maligned business here. No one in the U.S. says at Thanksgiving, I'm grateful for my friends, my family, and my wireless carrier. Well, like I'm ever. thankful because it keeps me employed. But yeah, no, it, it is more confusing than ever, for sure. Yeah, that's true. As uh, Recode's established mobile reporter, I suppose you would be grateful for them. Um, okay, but before I get too angry just talking about that, we're also going to be chatting with DJ Chalayath. He is the co-founder and CEO of Athos, a really interesting wearable tech company based here in the Bay Area. Well, I think that's great because, you know, wearable clothing, I hear, is going to be big this year. <laughs> I see you're wearing some wearable clothing. I am indeed. I am as well. We are wearing wearable clothing during this Only podcast. in Silicon Valley can you hear people talk about wearable clothing as a new market. Yeah, without any sense of irony. Okay, but first, wireless plans. Ina, as Rico's mobile reporter, you live and breathe this stuff. Is there anything about data plans or wireless plans currently that you even find confusing? Oh, yeah, pretty much all of it. I mean, I think the hardest thing is really at the basics that data is just not something you have a concept of. Minutes make sense. You know, if I'm on the phone for three minutes and 23 seconds, that's four minutes in in carrier speak. It was pretty easy to get a sense of how much you were using. As a consumer, like even super educated, I have no real way of knowing how much data I use. There's a bunch of things that suck up a ton of data in the background. So I never stream video. I never stream audio on my main line. And still I go for my my, uh, bucket every month. And that's large part because photos. And it's not just the stuff that you use. But if you have like a shared photo stream with somebody, if they upload a bunch of photos and you're not on Wi-Fi at the moment they upload them, that's 70 photos that may go up and use your data. So it's all really confusing. It's an incredibly nebulous thing. I mean, I find that there are some months where I'll get a notification from my carrier that'll say, you've used up this many gigabytes of data. And 
anecdotally, I think my usage patterns or habits have been exactly the same as the month before. And I'm pretty good about closing out apps and logging into Wi-Fi whenever I can. So we're tech reporters and we're talking about this. So for a lot of normal people, this is a really confusing thing. So over the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of the wireless carriers start to introduce these contract-free or no-commitment plans, which in some ways are still coming. But what spurred that? What really got that started? So, I mean, T-Mobile gets the credit for this. I mean, they said, you know, contracts are bad. Um, Subsidized phones, you know, are bad because you're paying more each month, which is all true. But, I mean, in the end, you're going to be paying about the same. So T-Mobile started it. They've all moved away, and they were pretty happy, too. I mean, the economics were tough for them to get from a $650 iPhone to a 199 iPhone. They had to figure out how to bake that all into your monthly fee. So they're fine taking that out. I mean, in the end, they want to get paid the same. And, you know, I don't think if you did the math, I don't think we're actually paying much less or much more. It's just the economics have shifted. So it's hard to walk into a store uh, and for 199 get an iPhone. But instead, what you're doing is you're paying 650 bucks, but you may be paying even less up front and just having that added on to your monthly bill. But again, that monthly bill is still looking about the same. Can you still do them? I mean, can someone asked me the other day, can I still get a quote unquote regular two year subsidized phone plan? Uh, can I walk into a store and get that? It's increasingly hard. A couple of the carriers uh, may still have them. If you had one before, you might be able to convince them to let you get another one. You certainly won't be able to switch carriers and get a subsidized phone. But again, you really don't need to in the sense that you can bill it over monthly installments and you won't be paying any any more up front and you won't be paying any more per month. So it really works out about the same. I'm in that position now where I'm long overdue to make a trip to my wireless store and see what's going my contract expired a while back and so I mean here's the thing you know it gives the average consumer more flexibility in one sense which is before you were paying for that upgrade every two years whether you used it or not and now if you want to keep that phone for three years there'll be a year where you're not making uh, device payments if you want to upgrade every year now the carriers have some options for you Sprint lets you lease them Apple lets you lease a phone and even switch carriers every year so in some senses there's more flexibility now Earlier this month, Verizon announced something called Freebie Data, and T-Mobile has something called Binge On. What exactly are these programs? I mean, generally speaking, how do sponsored data programs work? Uh, so these are different sides of the same coin. With Binge On, it's a little different. So what T-Mobile is saying is you can watch any sort of video from a number of different services, including things like Netflix and I believe Hulu, ESPN, which is important for me, and it won't count at all against your data cap, which sounds great. Of course, there's a catch. The catch is that they're actually limiting the quality of the video stream, and they're actually doing it for all video, even the video that's not included in their free stream. So what you're basically getting is unlimited video, but the price of that is it's less high-quality video. Again, for somebody who won't stream any video like me because they're afraid of hitting their data caps, that doesn't seem like a bad trade to me. Yes, it's lower quality than it is the theoretical maximum, but I was too afraid to use it before. Now, other people say this is a bad deal. It's bad long-term for net neutrality and all your videos being you know, watered down now. And very quickly for people who maybe aren't following as closely as us, what is net neutrality and how is this playing into that? Because it's a, it's a very important topic. So I mean, net neutrality basically at its most rigid says that you know no one type of traffic should be slowed down. And that's where T-Mobile's gotten in trouble. But some people think, you know, broader speaking, that all data should... You you know, be treated the same, should be paid for the same. And so that's where things like freebie, which don't violate the strictest sense of net neutrality, but raise some concerns. So what freebie with Verizon, what they're doing is they're saying 
if a company wants you to see their ad or wants you to download their app, one way to encourage you to do that is to pay for the data it uses. Think of it like a toll-free number. So toll-free number, you know, they want you to call in and order the Floby or whatever from late night TV. So they're saying, hey, we'll pay for the phone call. Mm-hmm. Same thing with data. We want you to download, you know, new crazy angry bird clash of clan two. We'll pay for the data to use that. So that's what Freebie and AT&T is testing a similar thing. You know, on the one hand, it's no more controversial than a toll free number. Again, the people that look long term are concerned, hey, if, you know, Content provider X can afford to show me, you know, let's say Comcast, they've got this new NBC show they want you to watch. They can afford to show you that maybe that whole 30 minute pilot, whereas, you know, upstart video provider X can't afford it. You know, does that mean, you know, we're in for a world controlled by the Comcast of the world? Asterisk Comcast is investor in Vox Media, producer of this web. <laughs> Thank you for adding that asterisk. But in the case of something like Binge On, when you're saying that they're serving up a lower quality video stream in some instances, that's only happening over data, right? So if, if you're, like in your instance where you're saying that's something you'd be interested in because you're very careful not to stream a lot of video so as not to, you know, get overage charges. But when you're connected to Wi-Fi, it's party on, right? It's I believe so. I believe they have the ability to only throttle you when you're on there now. Yeah, throttle just has such a negative connotation. That word has yeah, they don't they don't like it when you throttle. say throttle. But yeah. you know, it it basically is. And That's the other thing is. that came up is you know it applies pretty generically. So they're going to limit your speed, and by limiting your speed, then they're going to assume you get a lower quality video. That's actually not the most elegant way to do it, and it does mean in some cases, say you're downloading a video. In that case, all they're really doing is throttling. It's going to take you longer to download that video. Mm-hmm. All right, we do want to get to some really great reader questions that we got. But I do have to ask you, what is going on with Sprint? They have fallen behind T-Mobile and number of customers. Is Sprint going to make it? What's going on there? You know, it's definitely rougher times there. I mean, they have a new CEO who's really committed to uh, turning things around. Marcel Clare has been in there for, you know, somewhere around a year now. I think it's a really tough challenge. I mean, wireless is one of those businesses where it's very lucrative if you have a lot of customers and it's very expensive if you have to support that same network with fewer customers. So on the one hand, the first task has been getting more customers. You know, it's a capital intensive business. So he's trying to figure out how can I improve what's generally regarded as the number four network while spending less, which is a really tricky proposition. In the short term, they've managed to do some good things. Their network's better than it was in in a number of places. And they're adding some customers. You know, they do have a bunch of debt. It's a tough proposition from everyone uh, outside Sprint. At the same time, you know, they have somebody who's, you know, knows what to do. And in Masasan, uh, as the SoftBank, as their main owner, has, you know, done some pretty incredible things before. So we'll see if they can pull that rabbit out of the hat. So we are going to get to questions from our listeners. But if you enjoy Recode podcasts, including this one, you should check out Peter Kafka's upcoming conference. It's Code Media 2016. And it's February 17th and 18th. And I can almost guarantee there will be no snow in Southern California. Code Media is where you'll find fascinating speakers from the intersecting worlds of media and technology in candid, unscripted conversation, unlike this last bit. And last year, we had guests like Nick Denton, Mark Cuban, Chelsea Handler. Here's a bit of what they had to say. I mean, when we started AudioNet in 1995, we started saying bits are bits. The money is still in TV. Facebook is clearly the strongest and most powerful. We can't afford to be dependent on them because we have something that we want to do. It was too much attention. I wasn't excited to see me anymore, so I could only imagine how other people felt. (laughs) 
This year's lineup includes Nigel Eccles from FanDuel, Mike Hopkins from Hulu, Shane Smith from Vice Media, and many more. And you can view the full speaker lineup and register for the event at recode.net slash events. That's recode.net slash events. And now we get to those burning questions from our listeners and readers at Recode. Remember that if you have any questions about tech topics, to tweet them at us with the hashtag AskRecode. So the first one comes from at Will Robertson. This is kind of a funny question. He said, ignoring prices, network coverage and speed, and phone selection, who are the best U.S. carriers and why? Now, I did ask for clarification on this, and he said, well, rather than analyzing price and data buckets and coverage maps, I'm curious if any carriers are offering anything more on top. So I guess any other types of perks? Have you seen anything? Well, you know, in general, they're always looking for things. They have yet to find a lot of things that most people are interested in. I would say mobile video service is really the new one. So Verizon has a service called Go90, and you can actually get it regardless of whether you're a Verizon subscriber. AT&T hinted on its earnings conference call recently that they're going to do a mobile video service as well. They haven't said whether it's available only to their subscribers, but it'll probably be a better deal if you're one of their subscribers. I think that's the next battleground. I mean, there's long been this notion of a dumb pipe, and the carriers would like to be more than that. And mobile video seems to be the place where they may finally have a chance to do that. What about international service? That's another thing that, you know, not that many people use, but once you are find yourself traveling overseas, it's a big deal. T-Mobile's really led the way here. They have unlimited data in most of the countries that people travel to. The bit catch here is it's throttled to 2G, but even still, again, hard to know how much data you're using. It can add up really fast. I'd rather have a phone throttled to 2G where I can use it wherever I am. So I was in Germany recently. I know I'm going to get slow speed, but I get my email, I get Twitter, and I don't have to worry about a huge bill. Uh, and you Sprint, were on T-Mobile when yeah. you were there. Yeah, and Sprint has done something similar in a few less countries, but relatively similar. And then AT&T and Verizon have a different thing. AT&T has these buckets that they'll sell you that are very expensive, full-speed data. Verizon has something in between, which is kind of nice. For a set fee, it's like $10 a day in Europe, $2 a day in Canada and Mexico. You get to draw from your home data bucket. So you're talking about full-speed but you're, you're getting basically what you're used to for an extra fee. Not bad if you're going for three days to Paris, two weeks backpacking through Europe, that's going to add up pretty yeah, fast. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, the next question is from Amrit Richmond, who asks, what's the real cost of switching carriers? I've read that some carriers with deep switch discounts will bump up the costs after a while. So I actually looked into this a little bit, and there are a lot of different incentives now. You're probably aware of these as well, Ina, but AT&T will offer $100 bill credit for switching, $200 in credits for trading in an eligible phone. Sprint basically pays off your entire old contract or you know the switching fee. T-Mobile also does that, as well as outstanding phone payments that you may have with your previous carrier. Verizon will pay up to $650 per line to buy out your old contract and cover any early termination fees. Um, so it seems like they're all basically saying, we will just pay you to come over. Well, they all want the other's customers and, you know, it's kind of the grass is always greener kind of thing. So, you know, you won't have to be on your own if you want to switch carriers, basically. But it doesn't mean like it's a great deal because what happens is, yes, they'll pay off your old phone payments, the money you still owe on the phone you have, and any early termination fee. But then you have to buy a new phone from them. You have to give them your old phone Mm -hmm. if you want them to pay off your phone. phone. And you have to buy a new phone from them. So in general, it's still kind of a wash. But it does mean you don't have to wait till the quote, end of your contract 
to switch. Right. And a couple things to consider with that as well. Even if you're trading in your old phone to the new carrier, it's when it's applicable. And in some cases, your old phone might not work on your new carrier, depending on the type of network. That well, you're is, trading right? it in for and buying a new phone. So it doesn't matter. Say you want to go GSM from GSM or CDMA. No, because they're going to sell it on the used market, uh, whatever. So you're going to get you know, what it is in value. So if you still owe $300 on your iPhone, their thinking is it's probably worth at least 300, which in general it is. That's the math they're using to make this work. Right. Uh, But again, you're going to have to buy a new phone. You're not going to find yourself vastly different from where you started. Right. Another thing to consider is that even if uh, your new wireless carrier offers to absorb your early termination fee, you may still have a lingering bill like your last month of usage from your old carrier. And if you want to port your number, Do not cancel your service with your current carrier before you contact your new provider because you could end up in phone number limbo and lose your number. And in some cases, you have to port your number in order to get them to pay those fees. So what you want to do is go into that new carrier that you want to do and find out all the details before you cancel your old phone. Right. Okay, so that's what we've got for switching from carrier to carrier. Here's another question from Daniel Harris. He says, I still have AT&T's original unlimited data plan, but I still received text message about data overages. Why is that? Sounds like you might want to talk to AT&T there. You shouldn't be getting uh, <laughs> You know, you're not an AT&T overages. customer service rep. I don't understand. Uh, no, but I mean, it, it sounds like if they're talking about overages, maybe you don't have unlimited. Um, AT&T does like to warn you when you're losing a lot of data. Uh, even if you aren't paying for it, they would rather you use less data. Um, so it might they might just be saying that. They do have the right if you use, and they just increase the amount. But if you use a ton of data... Um, They do uh, throttle you at a certain point if there's network congestion. All the carriers got in trouble for just generally throttling you if you use too much data on an unlimited data plan. The FCC was like, no, you said unlimited. They get to use it. Um, But if you're one of the heaviest users, they can limit your speeds if it's an area of network congestion. Uh, So those are the two things. They could be saying you're using a lot, so beware. Or he should really check and double check that he is indeed on the unlimited plan. Yeah, I would double check that you're grandfathered into that, Daniel. Sorry that this is resulting in you having to call your wireless carrier, but it's all we can do for you here at Recode Radio. Uh, Ina, thank you so much for your insights. This has been great. And uh, stick around for our next segment with our wearable clothing company. I'm super excited for this. Definitely. I'm in the market for some wearable clothes. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Disappointamol. Disappointamol is a fast-acting drug designed to be taken by Apple analysts and beat reporters every three months. Even if Apple sells 74.8 million iPhones, you can find a way to make that sound like a bad thing. Disappointamol, available at pharmacies nationwide. Side effects may include iPhone 7-related anxiety and contact your stockbroker immediately if you experience suicidal feelings. So last week we talked to Andreessen Horowitz partner Stephen Sinofsky. If you missed that episode, you can find it at recode.net slash too embarrassed to ask. And this week, we're delighted to welcome DJ Jayaloth from Athos to the show. Hey, DJ, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. For people who don't know, haven't heard of Athos before, tell us what you guys do. So at Athos, our goal is to make sure that every person who takes the time out of their day to work out gets the best workout possible. So what we've done is we've built clothing that have sensors in it that collect the right kind of data to understand what's going on with your body. And then we combine that with the understanding of how your body should work, what's the right kind of training for you, and deliver personalized insights that can help you get the most out of the time you spend at the gym. So the sensors are built directly into the textiles or the actual clothing, or are they built into like a dongle that goes on your pants? Yeah, so there's two components to the the whole product. So the the first part is that there's, there's a layer of 
technology built on top of the clothing, the apparel itself. And then there's a little device that's kind of the, the brain of the system. It's called the core. And it basically picks up all the signals that are picked up from little sensors that are built in the clothing that sit on top of each muscle and then understand what's going on inside of each of those muscles to understand, okay, how hard each muscle is working, your balance, and are you using the right muscle for the different exercises to make sure that you're doing things right so you don't injure yourself and get the most out of every time. So you're going after the market of people that both wear clothes and go to the gym. Uh, of it's those, a big market, everybody. <laughs> of those, well, well, you know, nudists are feeling a little left out. Uh, do you have any plans to address the growing nudist market? <laughs> at, at the moment, we recognize they're an important part of the market, but right now we're mostly focused on the people who wear T-shirts. Now, couch potatoes would seem to be a larger market than nudists. Do you have any idea of how you get people motivated to do more? So for us, we've been very specific in saying that we want to make sure that we help the people who are already working out to make sure that they get the most out of the time they spend there. All right, I'm out. This is all you, Lauren. (laughs) See you later, Ina. Thanks a lot. It's been real. But what you're doing, actually, with these pants and shirts, you're measuring EMG, right? Yes. Which is uh, electromyography. And that's something that, let's say, professional athletes, they've had access to equipment, multi-thousand dollar equipment for a long time that does that for them, right? Absolutely. How do you actually make it so that it boils down into... Like a pair of pants. Like that sounds like quite the feat to do that. Um, there's a lot of secret sauce that went into it. But basically, yes, the science has existed for about 50 years now. And it's been used at like the top performance institutes. And what it does is that similarly when your heart beats, there's a little electrical signal that goes on. So when you, when you activate your muscles, there's muscle fibers that talk to each other. And there's little signals that go on there. So we pick up the same signal. So what we've done is we've built these like special material that we kind of created that pick up what's going on at the muscle location and then take it all the way to the core, which kind of extracts, think of it as like little mics that sit on top of every location and it can hear everything that's going on at that location. And the core takes out only what your muscles are saying and then senses your phone. Your phone does sort of speech recognition to say, hey, this is what your muscles are saying. This is what you should be doing. Basically. So what does that tell you? I mean, in general, my critique of all these wearables are, you know, when you're really active, they tell you you're really active. When you're not, they tell you you're not. What do you learn other than I do better when I exercise more? Yeah, so for us, we're not as focused about measuring if you're being active or not. It's about how are you doing these things? How can you get the most out of those things? So um, are you using the right muscles for the activity? And based on what your goals are too. Say... You go to the gym and you want to work on your glutes. You're like, all right, cool. I'm going to work on my glutes. You know, was just telling me the other day she really wanted to work on her glutes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. a very common. Me too. Me too. It's one of my focuses as well. <laughs> Don't um, we all? Yeah. Nice booty. Mine is actually <laughs> Maximus, actually. I was told. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to do some squats to work on my glutes. Well, the thing is, if you don't do squats correctly, you actually end up with bigger quads and not actually working your glutes out. So, what we do is we actually tell you, okay, you're not working your glutes out in this activity and you should be doing like going deeper or pushing up more on your squat or something like that to make sure that you activate those things and how's your balance because balance is such a critical part that most people like we hear like all the time from customers saying like they used to like work out you know multiple years but they've never looked at like how well are they exerting each side Mm -hmm. and these are things that lead to long-term injuries like oh if you always bias to favoring a side right I actually, I had the opportunity to try Athos at your offices in Redwood City last year. I wore the pants for a little while, got a little workout on. Nice. 
and um, did find from what your software was telling me that I was favoring one side, which was not totally surprising because I had had a knee surgery on, on one of my knees a while back. But one thing that was interesting about the experience was I had someone from your team holding up the iPhone in front of me while I worked out so I could see the real-time feedback of how I was using my muscles. But I mean, a lot of people, you can't lift weights and hold up your iPhone, right? Absolutely. So how do you actually get feedback from the clothes when you're exercising? So there's two parts to it. The first part is that the real-time view is really helpful when you start going with it because it builds this like awareness between like mind-body connection that lets you like control, are you active in these muscles? It lets you help correct those things. But we recognize you can't really hold your phone while you're working out. So we have a replay feature that lets you watch it. But actually the most interesting part of it is that when you finish your set, um, it tells you three pieces of information that's the most valuable information you need to know. Which muscles did you use the most? How hard did you work? And how was your balance? So based on that, you'll be like, okay, well, in a squat, I didn't use my glutes. Okay, now I need to work on my glutes. Like it, in between sets is when you need that feedback because that's the time you're, you have time to like look at the phone and be like, okay, this is what I should change for my next set. Not while you're working out when, you're, when you should be focused on making sure you get the best workout. How much are you charging right now? So... Yeah, so the clothing is one forty nine for any of the bottoms, which is basically fifty dollars more than a Lululemon pair of pants, and the core is fifty dollars more than a Fitbit charge. So it's one ninety nine for the core and one forty nine for the bottoms. So the core is the black plastic box that actually sticks into the clothing and transmits the data. Exactly. That's more than the clothing itself. Yes, but okay. you only need one of those, and then it'll work with oh. any piece of clothing we produce. So you want to alternate which pocket your wallet's in because they're really working out your hand in your wallet. <laughs> so if you kind of balance those and switch them between pockets you'll be in better shape exactly that's why we put the pocket for carrying your wallet in at the very back in the <laughs> so middle you can, you so you can, can use the same hands to go buy more also work on your mobility <laughs> so do you i mean that is a high price for workout gear although some people will pay a lot of money for performance apparel do you see athos or clothing or athos technology being used in any other kind of vertical or industry other than performance athletics I mean, the information we're collecting is something that's never been possible before, but it's also extremely credible. Like, it's based around real science that can be extrapolated into a lot of different spaces. Fitness is one area. Physical therapy is another area that's being, like, vastly used for. And, like, we, we focus mostly on fitness, but there's definitely a lot of physiotherapists working with it to help their clients because it gives them that awareness. It also applies it to a lot of other fields that are in the area where, basically, if you use your body, like, muscles to do something... We can measure it, and there's usually a way of doing it properly. So we can inform on how well are you doing those things. The physical therapy sounds really interesting. I mean, one of the challenges I've had, again, is everyone's gone into this fitness space because it's less regulated, whereas it seems like in a lot of cases, the biggest benefit would be if you could improve health outcomes. Are you guys doing stuff, or are you guys just kind of letting people, if they want to use it for that, or are you guys doing anything that requires sort of FDA approval? So right now, we're not doing anything that requires FDA approval. But we wanted to work in the fitness area because there's a lot more people that could get a lot of benefits if they spent the time they're working out doing it right rather than all the time they spend not getting all the benefits. If you got right into the same loop and not really pushing yourself, not like using enough weight for, you know, if you want to get big, but you're using the same amount of weight that you've used since for the last four years, like you're not going to see any of the benefits. So we want to make sure that we help those people first, but there's a whole bunch of other people we want to get to helping over time. Athos is not the only company right now that is doing smart clothing. We talked to a company at CES called Ohm Signal that where they were showing off a new smart sports bra that I've had the opportunity to try. 
Intel has been a company that's, you know, created modules specifically for wearable clothing, as we're calling it, and others. Do you see your competition coming from maybe another sort of scrappy upstart like yourselves that are building this from the ground up and are building the tech and the clothing and all that? Or do you see people like Under Armour or Nike getting into this eventually and like being the real competition? I think being successful means that there's going to be other people who want to do what we're doing. Um, but for right now, there's we have no idea of any other companies that are doing what we're doing, which is understanding what's going on with your muscles. And we think that's the most important part to be able to give you actionable feedback when you're working out. Because you know, heart rate and breathing, that stuff existed with polar heart rate monitors. There's no new interpretation of that information that we can provide. So we, we collect your heart rate, your breathing, accelerometer information, and also your, what your muscles are doing. That's the most critical part, we feel, to be able to actually tell you how to work out better. And for our, our goal is like, how do we make sure that every time a person goes to the gym, they have a better workout with us than with a t-shirt on? So we're just focused on that, and we want to just keep executing that. Will you white label your technology? Right now, we're still focused on making sure that we build our own brand. Well, DJ, before we let you go, we're going to play a quick game called Too Embarrassed to Answer. I'm going to read you some quotes from this week in tech news, and you'll have to tell me what the quoted person is talking about. All right. Are you ready for this? See if you've been up on your news. We'll give you multiple choice. We'll make it kind of easy for you. Okay, on Tuesday, Apple CEO Tim Cook made headlines when he told investors that, quote, I don't think it's a niche. It's really cool and has some interesting applications. DJ, what is Tim Cook talking about? Was it A, Apple Watch, B, Apple Car, C, virtual reality? Virtual reality. Ding, ding, ding. Did you know that or did you guess it? No, I'm guessing. Okay, that was good. He yeah, can call the Apple Watch something that's a niche. He's going to sell true. millions of those things. Well, he said, I don't think it's a niche, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that was based on a question that an analyst asked him saying, "Was is virtual reality geeky niche? And he said, no, I don't think it's geeky niche. Well, there you go. Um, by the way, we haven't determined what the prize is yet, so you would be our first well, one. Well, you know, on a certain NPR quiz show, it's uh, the host, uh, Voice on the Answering Machine. Maybe we should get Kara to record her voice oh, yeah, on your answering machine. That's a good one. Maybe we'll have Kara tape a voice I message love volunteering. for you. Nice. Yeah, that's great. Kara, back on the East Coast in your snow bunker, I hope you're listening to this. Um, we'll also give you free access to recode.net and theverge.com. Awesome. Thank you. Unlimited. No <laughs> yeah. data caps. No throttling. No data. No, no th- that's important. <laughs> I, I hate loading times. <laughs> okay, next one. Uh, this quote was spoken by Sprint CTO John Saw. We will tell you as much as we want to tell you. I want to make sure we don't give our playbook away. DJ, was John Saw from Sprint talking about A, how Sprint plans to shut up T-Mobile's CEO, B, Sprint's plan to cut costs by changing how it carries data, or C, a secretive $10 million commercial being planned for Super Bowl 50? I want to say it's B because probably that's what I feel like is going to be the right one, but I'm hoping that it's C. Well, you're right. It yeah. was B. Uh, they're doing a bunch of different things in the way they build their network. Uh, they're using a lot more small cells and something called mini macro towers. We wrote a little bit about it. They were asked about it on their earnings call. They didn't want to go into too much detail. I, I feel like we could have a whole separate episode based on what you just said. Small cells and mini macro towers. Oh, small cells like and mini macros. Name? Fascinating. Oh, yeah, it's boy, amazing yeah, it sounds stuff. like it. All right, we'll say that for next time. You know, do you want to do the last one? Sure. Uh, here's the last quote. The chief security officer at Uber, Joe Sullivan, told The Guardian this week that, quote, an intoxicated rider who is engaged in something is less likely to be irritable and aiming aggression at the driver. DJ, what gadget is Uber using to distract its obnoxious drunk customers? Was it A, an iPad with a childproof case, B, the 90s toy Bop It, or C, a Nintendo 3DS? I really hope it's a 3DS. 
but I'm guessing it's an iPad. It's the Bop It. The Bop It. I don't, I don't even know what, what that is. I no, know. I have to look. It's like looks like I can't even describe <laughs> it on the radio. But so, when you, so basically, when you've been driven around, this? you have to drive yourself as well on the back seat. It's a little toy. I mean, personally, I think they're just trying to keep you from hurling in the back seat. I suppose irritable is a euphemism. Gotcha. Well, our producer, Eric Johnson, is shaking his head over here saying, bop it? Like, bop. How do you not I know don't... what bop it is? Oh, this is, this is why. Well, some of us weren't kids in the 90s. <laughs> you were like, what, two? I was. All right, everyone go Google bop it when you're done listening to this podcast and enjoy. DJ, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me it's again. It's been great chatting been fun, with you. Yeah. And don't ignore that nudist market. Absolutely. No. And thank you so much to Ina as well. This has been really fun. Yeah. And, you know, Carol was strangely quiet this whole episode. I don't think I've ever seen her so quiet. (laughs) She'll be back next week unless her plane freezes to the tarmac. But if you enjoyed the episode as much as we did, please subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where Kara and Lauren answer all the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. That's all on recode.net slash too embarrassed to ask. Also, don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag AskRecode. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Tune in then.